Pastor Poju Oyemade is the senior pastor and founder of the Covenant Nation, TCN, a ministry founded in 1994 and headquartered in Lagos, Nigeria, where he oversees a dynamic community of believers who attend any of its services every week or join in its online platforms. He's a highly regarded teacher of the Word of Faith who draws out insightful lessons from God's Word that are applicable to the complexities of everyday life, family, business, and nation building. His messages are both transformational and transgenerational, finding relevance across all walks of life. Pastor Poju Oyemade's call to ministry dates to his time as an undergraduate at the University of Lagos. He has been consistently described as a bridge in the Christian community in Nigeria, a link between the older generation of Christian trailblazers in the country and the younger generation, between entrepreneurs and professionals in business, as well as between the government and the governed. In this regard, he convenes three flagship events annually, the West Africa Faith Believers Convention, WAFBEC, the Platform Nigeria, ICPLMW. He hosts the regular TV programs Insightful Living and The Quantum Lip on various TV stations around the nation and in the UK. Pastor Poju is happily married to Pastor Tony, who is a dynamic teacher of the word. Ladies and gentlemen, with a standing ovation and a round of applause, please welcome Pastor Poju Oyemade. Hallelujah. Let's all say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this great church, this great conference, the great theme. Thank you for the settlement of this house, the vision you have given to him for this conference. Thank you for the presence of your spirit here to glorify Jesus. I ask by the power of that same spirit to grant utterance that I speak as your oracle, that your word goes forth unhindered by any demonic force in simplicity with accuracy and in power that our hearts be established in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. amen. Alright, God bless you. you. may be seated. I'm sure you know I love your pastor very much. Okay. Among the young ministers in this country, as you see, he was the first one to become my friend. All right, people don't know this, all right? Uh, how much I appreciate. He has a very, I said it when he came to Wabek, very sweet anointing. Mm-hmm. It's when, you know, when he speaks, you can sit down for two hours. Uh, it's, it's very, and, um, and um, I mean, if you listen to him, because, I mean, he's, he has an apostolic calling. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. He has an apostolic calling in the area of relationships, marriage, but, but he's founded on the word of God. Uh, it's not like he's teaching psychology. He's founded on God's word. All right? So let's put our hands together for Pastor Pinky and Pastor Nico. All right? I, I come in peace. There will be no reference to... Liverpool here, because we have come in peace. <laughs> Strictly to teach on the word of faith. All right. So quickly this evening, sorry, I was caught up two and a half hours in hold up, all right, in traffic. All right, so I quickly get into it. I want to speak on, and um, I love this conference. It's, it's very good, all right? Very good, very, very good. My friend, Apostle Humphrey, when last did we see? Must, must be 30 years or something. Huh? I'm telling you, this, this has, <clears throat> the, your pastor knows roots for him to be able to bring this man. He, all right? No, no, no. There, there's a way we select ministers, you know, who knows we? Huh? Uh, all right. All right. Romans chapter 4 and verse 12. Romans 4 and verse 12. It says, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also work in the steps of that faith. 
So it tells us that there are definite steps to that faith. Those who walk in the steps of that faith. So it's like Abraham left the footprints of that particular faith. So when you start operating in faith, step one here, step two over there, you are walking in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had yet been uncircumcised. And then it tells us in verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure or certain unto all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also, but to that also which is of the faith, of the faith of Abraham. So we say grace responds to the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, you know, growing up, and that's the way to, I mean, the way to teach is, is to, I mean, we don't like it, but it's to teach people as little children because that's the way you learn. So when people teach, you go back, all right, into breaking things topically and all of that. You know, but sometimes I would say these are the six steps to answered prayers. I mean, sometimes we do the six steps and the prayer may not be answered, all right? Okay? Or uh, you don't receive it. But this one talks about the steps, which means this is scriptural. It says the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. Step number one, and I'll go as far as I can go this evening and stop. Step number one, the Bible says in verse 7, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead. The first thing now when you approach God about anything is that the first thing God does is to quicken you concerning that thing. What do we mean by quicken? I'll explain it. He gives life. He inspires. Something comes on the inside of you. It's the same thing he did to Adam when he formed him and breathed into man that breath of life. So he breathes into you what we call the breath of life concerning that particular thing. Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 63, the flesh profiteth nothing. It is the spirit that quickens. The words that I speak unto you are spirit and life. The word quicken is an old English word to give life. So the first thing he will do is to quicken you. Now, how does that happen? Psalm 119 and verse 49. David said, Remember thy word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This has been my comfort, next verse, in all my affliction, for thy word hath what quickened me. So he said, remember thy word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Now, I start teaching from here. Faith is the substance, we know this, of things what? Hoped for. Now, hope as defined in the Bible is not our desire or our aspiration. That is not what is called biblical hope. Now, your desire and aspiration is an indication in your spirit that you want a greater expression of life. It's a yearning inside your spirit. It's authentic. 
It is the first motion in the spirit of a person for increase for the fulfillment of what that person was called to be. When God created man, he said, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. Those are the first words God told man. In other words, embedded in our DNA is the desire to be fruitful. It's a desire to multiply. Look, that's why when people don't understand what is in man, people say, you know, you, you aren't you satisfied? You can't be satisfied. Once you conquer a territory, there's a yearning for something else. You conquer another territory, there's a yearning for something else. You conquer a local government, your spirit yearns for a state. You cover a state, it says it's a nation. You cover a nation, it says it's a continent. You cover a continent, it says it's the world. You cover the world, it says it's anywhere else. It's embedded on the inside of us. There is nothing wrong with design, increase, and multiplication. It is what is inside you. Do you get what I'm saying? First words God said to man. Think about this. Be fruitful. In other words, in his first communication, is about multiplication and dominion. So there is a desire there for it. But that desire has to be interpreted properly by the Holy Spirit. Now, let me explain. If you need 50,000 naira, you desire to have it. And you want to have that money by 6 p.m. tomorrow. Okay? Think about this. And you don't say anything. Then at 7 p.m., you come and say, Pastor, and say, Pastor, I'm really disappointed in you. He, say, he says, why? He says, you know, I really need 50,000 by 6 p.m. and it's 7 o'clock and I don't have. And I know you have 50,000, so I'm disappointed in you. Now, what will he tell you? Did you tell me that you needed what? 50,000. Okay. So, our desire, we communicate to God. Now, if you tell him, and he now tells you, Come to the office tomorrow at 12 noon to get the 50,000. Your expectation is no longer just your need or your desire. Your expectation is now founded on the promise he has made. Do you get what I'm saying? In other words, you now have an expectation. He has taken the responsibility of you getting the 50,000 off you and placed it on himself. So at 12 noon, if you don't get the 50,000, now hear this carefully, he says, come to the office to get it. If you don't get it at 12 noon, then it's either he doesn't have the capacity to do what he said, or he's not being truthful. So which one with God? So what God says is, whatever desire you have, bring it to me in prayer. Now, if you come to meet a person, let me tell this here, that's why he says, I will do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. If you come to meet a very wealthy person and said, you know, I want to have a business and it will cost five million naira, and this is a person that deals in billions of dollars. You know, I look at it and say, look, this what five million. All right? Now, somebody may have come to meet him and said, we want to do business of 500 million, and he says, look, we are beyond that. Now, when you come with your own five million, he says, wait a minute, uh, based on his own network, go and call so-and-so. Let them connect with this person. This is your five million business. They will expand it. Maybe you can help him in 500 that. When you come to God, God connects your desire to something that is far larger. Do you get what I'm saying? Abraham said, I need a child to inherit. God said, a father of many nations, I have made thee. He takes your desire and expands it and gives you a promise that requires faith for its fulfillment. So, hope is an expectation that you have of an event that will come to your life in future based on something God said. Do you get what I'm saying here? That it is written. In other words, what he does is to open up the scriptures to you and explain how and show you something in the word of God that no human being has ever taught you nor anybody has ever shown you and that scripture jumps out of the pages of the Bible, hits you and gives you life. You are quickened by it and you know, ah, this is what God is saying. Let me give an example. Best example I have I can give. 
a woman was going, she was injured. They said they had to amputate her leg, foot. She went to God in prayer, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want it. And after praying, 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 she opened up the scriptures. And she got to Proverbs 4, 18. The Lord shall be thy confidence, and he shall not suffer your foot to be taken. That's not a healing scripture. You get what I'm saying? But that's a rema from God straight. Remember what was told Mary. He said, blessed is she that hath believed, for there shall be a performance of what was what? Told her. God is only committed to perform what he says. Abraham was fully persuaded that that which God had promised, God was able also to do what? Perform. Now your desire is authentic. It's a yearning for something. But take it to God for proper interpretation. Do you get what I'm saying? Samuel said, all of my members are written in thy book. Go up to him. Because of time I'm going to into worship. Know that before you knew about or got yourself into the situation or that thing arose, God already has prepared what he will do concerning it. Your prayer doesn't inform him about a situation and then he starts working on it. Your prayer is to get him to open his mind to you as to what he has already prepared. Step two, you've got to understand. If pastor says, come to my office at 12 noon. Now, tomorrow to get it. If you go and stand far away somewhere, and then you call him and say, sir, I I didn't get the money. He says, I am in the office doing what? Waiting for you. Now, I want to show something here. It is when you come into the office, you have an appointment to come in now. And that's where the transaction, all right, is going to take place. So he says, I am in the office and I am waiting for you. That's what he said, all right, to come and get that particular thing. Now, quickly, let's just look at this, all right? Hebrews chapter 6. Let me just show you what we'll say next. Hebrews chapter 6. And verse 13. Now, I want you to see the interchange between the word promise and hope. And then you know that promise and hope, same thing. For when God made promise to Abraham, he used promise here, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely in blessing shall I bless thee, and in multiplying shall I multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show to the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, now say the changer, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on what? The hope that is set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, and entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is entered for us. All right? Now, if you have New King James Version of verse 19, it says, verse 19, New King James Version, it says, this hope we have as an anchor to our soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. So, where God has told us he's going to fulfill whatever he tells us is within the veil. Now, he says, this hope, is an anchor to your soul, both sure and steadfast, and entereth into the veil. Now, if pastor tells you come 50,000 tomorrow, 12 noon into my office, that's your gateway into his office. Do you get what I'm saying? Anybody who stands in your way, you say, he told me. If he writes it and gives you a mail, you take what is written and show them. He said, I shall come 12 noon to come in. If we want to get into that secret place, is what he promised you you used to enter. Now, I'm not just talking about singing. I'm talking about penetrating. Do you get what I'm saying? Because when you get within the veil, because of time, let me just quickly say it this way. 
That veil is a veil that is over your mind. When you go within, that veil is removed. Now, what do I mean by the veil being removed? If you have a promise and you say, God said he shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. And you are in a wine in a marriage and the wine finishes. And you are confessing, God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory. But the veil is over your mind. Huh? God, I'm saying what happens to us Christians. God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God shall supply. But you don't know the method. So the pots are there. Because you are confessing, you tell them, can you move the pots aside so I can have space? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? All right? You look at the water. Please move water. We are talking about wine. God shall supply all. When the veil is off, you will know that what God wants to use to part the Red Sea is the rod in your hand. When the veil is off, the five loaves and two pieces of fish that you have been saying, what is this among so many? You will know that this is the way to the multiplication. When that veil is there, you are holding on to what will shape your destiny and you treat it as common. How many people have had 500,000 Naira that they could have been real estate owners today who because of the veiled face spent it on meat pie? Do you understand what I'm saying? I was talking to my elder sister and I'll just quote it recently. And she told me about something because, you know, my grandfather used to borrow people money back then in Lagos. So there was a place he borrowed some people. If I called the you'd be sorry for me. And they told him that they would give him all that land there as payback. He said, that's water. <laughs> she just told me yesterday. I said, what did you see? With the money you have now, if God removes the veil, he can show you a bush to go and buy. That that scripture that says you shall leave inheritance for your children's children is in buying that bush. But you can be confessing, passing the bush, saying, I shall leave an inheritance for my children's children. I shall, do you get what I'm saying here? Ah, veiled face. Do you know the, when they came to come and to carry lots? The angels. And those people said they wanted uh, the angels for themselves. And they struck them with blindness. They were at the door. And the Bible says they were searching for the door until they got tired. At the door. Closed eyes is the worst cause. That's why the Bible says the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. Enter in. He said the method of how what I said to you will come to pass will be granted. We know promises, but it's the method. So a student that says, I will be the head and not the tail, when you remove the veil, God can show you the hours to read. That the brain I gave to you works best this way. Read for an hour here, read for an hour here, read for an hour here, you retain everything you have read. So he says, come. Now, remember, once he tells that person, 50,000, come to my office, that is the anchor to that person's soul. Do you get what I'm saying? Both sure and what? Steadfast. See, even if he sees people outside, same Pastor King did not see me. Pastor King did not see me. He knows you don't have his written. That means I have direct mail from him. It is written. He just asks you, do you have, it is written. They say, what do you mean? I know that's why they have not opened the door for you. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying here? <laughs> Blessed is she that believed. That's why Mary said, how shall it happen? Sin, I know no man. He said, enter. Enter. If you come in, you will see the thing there. So it's sure and steadfast and entered within the veil. 
Step two, I'm going to connect all these. Step two, it tells us. So first, he quickens the dead. Now, people always ask, so these are the places where there are challenges. How do I get this rhema? Because this is the challenge. How do I get this rhema? Because this is the foundation. See, you get the rhema. Huh? That's why the Bible says, haven't begun in the spirit. Why are you trying to be made perfect in the flesh? So, it's the spirit that does what? Quickens. Now, you know what it is to be perfect in the flesh? It's to stand outside the presence of God and be trying to fulfill what he has told you. With your brilliance, with your ideas, with your money. Do you get what I'm saying? He says, why do you labor for that which and spend money for that which is not bread? One time I wanted to do something, so I was spending money. God told me, say, listen to me, I'm not that expensive if you get instruction. When they said, let us feed the many. They said, 200 penny worth of silver. Jesus said, they said, let them go. You know, you become with ideas. 200 penny worth of silver. This is the budget. Then the next day, someone comes and says, let them depart now. Jesus said, they need not depart. The veil has been removed. He knew what to do. First step, he said, go into the congregation and find whatever you can get. Once they brought it, he said, that's it. The person bringing it with a veiled face said, what is this among so many? So how do we access this? He quickens the dead. And then the next thing he says is that he calls into existence those things that be not as though they were. Whatever God shows you. Now, sorry, I missed this. How do you get it? Let me just show you quickly. Stay in the place of prayer. All right? When you have a desire, when there's a situation and you need it, all right? Is that like you have a desire, there's a situation going on, you report it to God in prayer, then God opens his mind to you. Worship him, then stay in prayer until you hit the gosha. You know what the gosha is? That you are speaking in tongues until you get a release. Dr. Yongicho says it this way. The first hour of prayer, I'm talking to the devil. After that, then I get to God. You know when you're praying in tongues, you know these tongues is not going beyond this ceiling. You know. But if you stay there, after some time, you get a what? Release. Now, once you get a release, spend time with that release. Then immediately after, Open your Bible. Because the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine wherein it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. All right? Nobody drinks wine here, but if you have drunk wine before and got drunk, you know with time, the influence wanes. If you pray in the Spirit and get filled, after some time, the influence wanes. Some people pray in the morning, then go and read eight hours after. Do you get what I'm saying? where the Holy Spirit is not as active in the mind as he was early in the morning when you just finished praying. Are you following what I'm saying? So immediately you pray in tongues. See, to have prayed well, E.M. Bound said, is to have studied well. And I've found that to be true. If you pray till you get a breakthrough and listen, it is better if you will ever do ministry. If they tell you, I have been at a meeting, all right? And when I got to the meeting, they invited me, and this was PFL, all right, somewhere. And, and when I got there, there were a lot of indigenous people. I said, ah, this topic they gave me, these people here won't understand what I'm saying. Until the man preaching before God down. And then the, the, the vice president there told me, he said, he looked and said, this man did not speak to the topic. We invited him to speak to the topic. He didn't speak. That's when I looked around. And I saw the banner. And I realized the topic. I opened my part and started writing a message. I could write it because I had prayed well. I got up there and preached it. You would not have known that I wrote it. I was hoping the choir would just continue singing until I finished that message. Do you get what I'm saying here? Sometimes you stay in prayer for a situation, scriptures you read three years ago, the Holy Spirit brings it to your consciousness. Do you get what I'm saying here? 
You get to a place where your mind is quiet and then it brings that and says, that's what I was showing you that day. That's what you heard in church that day. All right, you wrote something in your note that struck you, but it did not become needful until the pressure came. And then the Holy Spirit reminds you, go and get that note. You open it, you see it, fire comes out. Do you get what I'm saying? You are quickening. You know that it comforts you. It tells you that, listen, you are going out of this. It shows you what will happen. And it will be like, you can't, ah, this thing, if this happens, you see it. Now, once he quickens you, he says, now start calling what I showed you into existence as though it were. Listen, God speaks so that you can speak. Whatever God tells you that you don't say is not valuable in your life. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, The Lord hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake thee. He says, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that, so that, you may do what? Boldly say. They cook food so that you may eat. The food is of no relevance if you don't eat it. No matter how well it's cooked. God has said that you may do what? Boldly say. The Lord is my helper. I shall not fear what man shall do. I hope you know that what was said was not exactly what God said letter wise. Are you following what I'm saying? What I'm trying to tell you is that if Tanya, Banya, and Prania rejected you and threw you into a pit, and God said to you, the stones the builders rejected shall become the chief's cornerstone. What you should confess is Tanya, do you understand what I'm saying? Not builders now. You must be specific. Do you get what I'm saying here? Because if you don't call Lazarus' name, Lazarus doesn't come out. Do you understand it? That you said that I'm the resurrection and the life won't get Lazarus out. Are you following what I'm saying? So it says, call into existence. In other words, start talking about what he said as though it is something that is already going on in your life right now. So let me tell you this. I have a confession for the 27th of June, 2023. And in that confession, I'm talking about everything that happened in the last 12 months of my life when I wrote it on the 27th of June, 2022. I am calling it into existence as though it were. You understand what I'm saying? Which means that I have integrated the promises into my life, made use of them, so that they are pictures that are being formed in my heart, not just words from the scriptures. The Bible says when God breathed into man, he became a living soul. The Hebrew sages tell us, the rabbis, that that word means man became another speaking spirit like God. God speaks that you may do what? Speak. Now, when you are speaking, now get this key, and you are calling things into existence as though they were, Please remember, remember this and make use of it. Let me just give tips here. There is a part, this is where unbelief comes from. There's a part of your mind where is the seat of logic. And it governs and regulates decisions you make and keeps you safe. If you look at this chair, you decide, can you take my weight? Yes, you see it. You can look at a chair, you can't take my weight, you don't see it. You get out of here, you want to cross the road, you see a car coming, that place tells you there's a car, don't cross. You come back. There's fire, it says don't put your hand. That's part, that sort of logic is where, so anytime you talk, it has, your words have to go through that center of logic. That's why when people say some things, some people say, 
Have, did you listen to yourself? Did you hear what she said? You know, what are they trying to say? They're trying to say, you mean it passed through your center of logic. You, did you hear yourself? Okay. How do you know somebody is drunk? Because he starts saying things that the logic has is out of joint. So he passes through it. So when God promises you something and you come out and say, in six months, uh, logic comes and tells you, chief, madam, how shall these things be? I have been securing you. Let me save you from these words you are saying. Do you get what I'm saying? It shuts down. Now, here is the catch. Where the center of logic is, is tied to experience. So anytime you declare something that is impossible, just go back into your life and find something that God did that appeared impossible. Do you get what I'm saying here? Listen to this, then link it to that confession. I'm trying to tell you how you get victory. Some of you have survived things nobody knows. Listen to this. Some of you are looking for money now, today, because you have forgotten how when you were in school, money was coming that you couldn't explain. Some of you are looking for jobs today because you have forgotten how you got your first job. Once you say, as you declare that thing, and say, this thing just happened us. And you link it to something that has happened in your past that logic can't understand. Logic bows to experience. This is why David, when he was going to face Goliath, he said, this one shall be us. He connected the challenge to something God had already done. When he came to Saul, he said, Saul, I can kill this thing. Saul said, you cannot. You're a youth. He said, and this man has been fighting from his youth. David said, let me tell you something about my history that nobody knows, including my brothers. That's why they were running their mouth. When I was with the sheep, a bear came. When I was with the sheep, lion came. Saul said, you've had that experience? He said, please go and fight. The problem with some of you is that you have forgotten where you came from. See, let me tell you this. The reason why the nation of Israel failed, God took them out of Egypt to give them experiences for 40 days. Upon those experiences, they were to enter into the promised land. See, when they talked about abundance, abundance is not a big deal. If I tell you now that I have my father is a multimillionaire and he bought me 2,000 sheds in, in five years. You can believe. But if I tell you my father gave me a shed and I've been wearing it for 40 years and it didn't go, you say which father can keep your shed the same and shoes the same for 40 years. What God did in the wilderness to sustain them was greater than the power he needed to get them into the promised land. The problem was they forgot. Some of you got married here without job. Nobody knew in the church that you didn't have a job because God kept you fresh. Some of you are unemployed and people are still asking you for money because they look at you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And all of those miracles are to connect you so that you have a stronghold in the day of battle. You go back to the past and fight from that position. Ah, dear friend, he told me during the financial crisis in England, he was working in the bank. He said, listen, they all lost their jobs. He said he wrote a new level target for himself, increased his salary, increased this, and started declaring. He said jobs, he said jobs were far few between and they were going within minutes on the internet. He said, his mind told him, he said, look, my friend, you better lower everything you are talking about. Which confession are you making? He said, the day I got it was that my wife had been diagnosed that she told Stomidis I could never have a child. Her fallotium tubes were destroyed. He said, yet she conceived. I looked at my daughter sitting there and then I said, I've gotten this job exactly the same way. My daughter sitting before me came. He said, once I said that, everything went quiet. Let me tell you something. God does 
creative miracle once in your life. After that is reproduction. Listen, everybody in this world is here by God, but it's through reproduction, not creation. After six days of creating, he said, let everyone produce after its own kind. So, the things that happen to you that God has done, he says, if I got you one contract, I have got you contracts forever. If I got you one job, I have gotten you jobs forever. Problem is you have forgotten. So you go to today's challenge, naked, without the consciousness of what God. If you come and meet me here and tell me that, let me tell you there are things I've been praying about for two years, God seems not to have answered, I will say yes. But I will also tell you there are things you did not pray about God gave you. There is nothing that is facing you today, I am telling you, that is bigger than something God has not done. It may appear, but technically in the workings of miracles, God has done some things. So as you write it down and start confessing, link it to something that God has done in the past. You know, we forget. So let me tell you about a story here. I went to Canada two weeks ago. And I just want to say this here, how we forget. And when I was coming back from Canada, I was coming through London. We landed in England. The pilot said the plane was 10 minutes early. So the gate where he was to park in Heathrow was not available. So he parked at the side, which I didn't like. Because that means it's a bus coming to carry you. We waited 25 minutes for the bus. I said, London. A guy collapsed while waiting. That should have a... But well, said, in all things, give thanks. Eh? Abby? Don't murmur, don't complain. Give thanks. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. We got to immigration queue. It was the longest queue I'd ever been on. And I don't like queue. It was there for 95 minutes. But let me tell you what happened during the queue. As we are going around, now, as we had entered the bus, a gentleman stood me and said, you are the pastor. I said, yes. He said, oh, I'm from Abuja. I, said, I know you. I said, yeah. So we are going around. So a lady came with some other, they came in, and then she looked at me. So I thought maybe it's a Nigerian too from Toronto that was on the flight. But she went second and she looked again with her friends. They went again. We passed second time. They looked. Third time, she just said, are you pastor? Poetry? I said, yes. I said, I'm from Barbados. I said, oh, fine. So I went. So I now thought, ah, Barbados. Is it that you are living in London or Canada? So I thought that and I said, I said, do you live in Barbados? She said, yes. I said, so how then do you know me? Now, she now told me. And that, you see to me, that conversation, he was as deaf as my messenger, blind as my servant. It's in common conversations, you get the signal of how you go global. She told me how she started hearing. God said, that's the key to your global ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then we walked again. Then as we were going, I said, ah, this people, let me even ask them for their number. So I said, no, by the time they were far away. I said, no, I said, well, I couldn't reach them again. So I got to immigration, declared me. So I was turning back. The man looked, what's the problem? Ah, I said, there's no problem. I'm, I'm going entry before they say what's going on. Got to the consul, but they had told me they came from Miami. The Miami one baggage claim was right beside they now finally came, gave me number. Do you know, when I got to my hotel, I don't behave like this, but I just send them a message. How are you doing? I hope you settled down. Yes, we settled down well. And that just occurred to me. By the way, I'd like to come to Barbados to come and hold a faith seminar. Next thing, jumping, hallelujah, shouting. We've been praying for years for you to come. Listen to me. That means the angel held the plane. Listen to this. Held the bus. See, I'm going somewhere with this. So, held the plane, held the bus. Because if I had come in on time, I would have been far. They would have been far. They won't see me, I won't see them. God needed that coincidence. You know what they said? They said, first time, we, she said, first time I went, 
God said, greet him. That's Pastor Pojo. I didn't do it. Second time, greet him. That's Pastor Pojo. I didn't do it. Third time, said, I greeted you. And the way you answered was so polite. Listen, entertain, be hospitable to strangers. It may be an answer to your prayer. Some of you, this is a ministry that they preach relationship. Some of you, the man decided to come and meet you. It's the way you attacked him when he said, good morning, that made him change his mind. If I went like a snob, I, there, will be, there will be no Barbados. What they'll be saying is that what God meant for good will be turned around. But here's my point. If I don't sit down and integrate that experience into me, I can get to the airport next week, see a queue, and start complaining. If you don't start taking what God has done in the past and integrate it, you will know the acts of God but not his ways. In closing, I'll close with two things here on it in this step. See, when God speaks to you, I want to show this. Remember I said when you go in, huh? within the veil, that's it. There's a condition for going in. And this is what can make God, will make, not can, will make God change his mind. In other words, there is something in scripture that after God has said, given you a promise, God says, I'm at liberty to break this promise and change my mind. And it's in the Bible. Every contract has a clause. There is a door that the person can get out of the contract if the other party doesn't keep their side. Even when God created this earth, he said you can eat everything, but the day you touch this, it's over. There is something that God has said that must not be touched. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 and 23, quickly. Let us draw near with a true heart in a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. So we are drawing near. You know the hope. Through that hope we come near. Huh? Next verse. He now says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Faithful is he that did what? Promised. God says you mustn't waver. You mustn't waver. You can't have a dual confession. Once I have given you my promise, James chapter 1 verse 6 and verse 7, it tells us, James 1 6, but let him ask in faith nothing what? Wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Look at what he says next. Let not that man think he shall receive. Remember this person is praying. He says that you are praying. Don't think you will receive. So you can pray with the tongues of men and angels. Let him not think. Do you get what I'm saying? When they got Peter to kill him, after James was killed, they were praying. Mekotos, Shandaba. The Bible says they prayed without season for Peter. Margaret Toso, in the Shaliagra. Peter came. He was at the gate. Rodder ran in and said, Peter is there. They said, thou art mad. In other words, as far as they were concerned. Now, you know what caused the problem? You know what caused the problem? You know what caused the problem? The death of James had corrupted something. Satan gives you negative experiences to liquidate faith. God gives you powerful experiences to strengthen faith. Whose side will you be? There's enough in your past to tell you fail, but there's enough in your past to tell you succeed. Side with what God has done. Everybody has gone through things. Everybody has experienced failure. But it's the one you call to memory. 
There is no virtue in being a victim in this world. There is no virtue. If you be a victim, they will continue to abuse you. You can't find love by playing victim card. You cannot. Do you get what I'm saying? A friend of mine, Reverend McCartney, he told the story. He said he went hunting sometime. And when they got there, he said they were there by midnight. No, ah, what's going on? In the morning, no, what's going on? This man, you brought me hunting. He said, next to the man said, what? He said, point your gun. He said, what kind of sound are you making, Bishop? Next to the animal came. Fire. You know, I said, what do you do? He said, you see that sound? Is a sound when the prey that that animal feels on is caught in a trap. It goes, so the animal felt the victim was there and came out. He said, he understood why he went hunting. God says, if you make the sound of a victim, demons come out. If you murmur and complain, serpents come out. He says, there's no enchantment against Jacob, nor any division for the shouts. If there's a shout of victory, do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand? If there's a shout of victory, listen, nothing can stop what you do. Once they hear shout, something seems to be going wrong, there's a shout of victory. That's why the Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Where other people say, yeah, yeah, they say glory to God. Yeah, yeah, glory to God. The point where there's supposed to be a depression, glory to God. That's why he says, count it all joy. Why you say glory to God? The demon they sent says that one has signed. Let's go. This one you can't enter. Where's that guy? Look at what they did to me. Look at what they did to me. One of my friends, one time, he went through a rough patch. He went to meet Bishop Radio. He said, Sir, look, I went through. He said he thought because of the way he preaches faith. He would look. He said, Look, my friend, we have failed more times than we succeeded. It's what you are conscious of. Those people will only tell you those things when it's canceling time. But after that, they process it. Remember your victories. Confess those victories. All right? Hold fast your confession without what? Wavering. God told them in Numbers 14, he said, you will know the breach of promise. He said, I swore to your fathers, I will give you the land. Moses begged him, he said, he said, I've pardoned according to thy word, but tell them as long as I live, whatsoever I hear them say, that's all I can do. All these things you are seeing is what they said. He said they murmured at the point of the appointment. He said they will know the breach. Numbers 14, all right, Numbers 14, 34. He says they shall know my breach of promise. After the number of the days you said landing on 40, shall bear in okay, even 40 years, and you shall know my what? Breach. Which means I break the promise. Let me just stay on this confession one and close with this here. Because your words absolutely dominate you. It is not what God says you get, it is what you say you get. God says it so that you may say it. Do you understand what I'm saying? What determines what happens in your life is not what? Friend of mine when we were in school was vice president of the fellowship. I'll never forget. We used to walk in Unilag and he just walking and talking down. For any young person here, you can do it. Talking down. Before I'm 30 years old, I shall be a multi-millionaire. Before I am 30 years old, I shall be a multi-millionaire. I look at him and say, where did you get this from? He told me, he said, listen, he showed me a scripture. He wrote a book on it. He said, when David, when they were arguing about spoils, how they should divide it, David said, those that go to war and those that tarry with the spoil shall get the same. He says, all of you are going to ministry. He says, those of us that will finance the ministry are you. We will collect the same in heaven. My business is to finance ministry. I've seen it. I am telling you, before I'm 30, I shall be a multimillionaire. He got it. 
I asked God, what does the future hold? He said, it will hold nothing because you've said nothing into it. <laughs> Kenneth Hagin once went to pray for a man. He said, when he got there, words have been spoken. That he was praying for the man who was unconscious. Words have been spoken. He heard this in his spirit. Spiritual laws have been set into motion that cannot at this time be reversed. This man's spirit is better off with me in heaven. Let him go. He said, he prayed again. He said, words have been spoken. He said, then he realized, you can set spiritual laws into motion with words that cannot be reversed. He said, he went there, laid hands on him and said, I release you. When they were going for the funeral service on their way back, he said, he didn't tell anybody. The younger brother said, my brother used to say, since we were young, I will be dead or not before 40. He said, he will be 40 in one week's time. Now I'm seriously tempted to say something. It will bless you. But it's Liverpool. But it will bless you. <laughs> Should I teach it? It's a prayer. The eyes, yes, say yes. Nay, yes. say nay. The eyes have it. <laughs> but let me just share this, and I've observed it. In 2005, we won Champions League Liverpool. Listen to this. Listen to this. We were three goals down first half. We equalized. We were playing AC Milan, Shevchenko's team. Man for man, they were far better than us. Man for man, world-class players. We had only two world-class players in our team. Gerard and uh, one other player. Man for man. We won. So I started listening. The Sky reporter went to meet Benitez, our coach, Rafael. He said, what strategy, what do you think cost you to win this match? He said, I can't think of any other thing except what my wife just told me. I was talking to her on the phone. And she said, what was that? He said, my wife told me that when we met at the age of 25, on the first date, you told me, you'll win the Champions League on or before 45. You'll be 45 in two weeks' time. So when you go on dates, say... <laughs> I found that. You get what you say. Listen. You don't get what God says. You get what you say. See, prophetic utterances come out in meetings like this. Write them down. The one that strikes your spirit, repeat it to yourself and hold it. Whatever strikes your spirit means the Holy Ghost said, that is for you. Write it and start repeating it after this meeting. That's how you take the anointing that was in the conference into your personal life. All of us we hear, it is those that say what they heard that get it into their life. Final one I want to say here. The Bible says that she staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. I just want to close with this. Because you bless God. I'll just stay with the confession. Once you get there, Satan begins to battle. And let me also just say this here. Words you speak over your children are dangerous. For God told them, he said, listen, your children will enter the promised land. But because of what you have said, they will wander for 40 years. The biggest capital you can give your children is prophetic utterances over them in private. Do you get what I'm saying? A man once went to meet Ken Vegan and said, pray for me. Pray for me. That's why word of faith has to come back. Pray for me. Pray for me. My child, my child, my child is on drugs. He said, I am praying anything. Your words will get the child back. He said, every time you think, every time, and this comes to stagger, every time you think about your child and drugs and you get worried and go, say, I surround my son with faith and love. My child shall not, and begin to say what you desire. He said, every time, and no longer 
scold him for anything. You just say it every time the thought comes. Because the scripture says they staggered, she staggered not. Now, I'm going to tell you, well, what do you mean staggered? I'll get back to the story. Staggered not. One time I was in South Africa and somebody on our team was, was losing their balance. And we called the doctor. The doctor tested the heart, the brain, and the ears. And said, there's nothing wrong. The doctor now told me, said, the heart, if somebody is losing balance, it's either heart, brain, or the inner air. He said, the outer hair, air is for hearing. The inner air is for balance. Ah, it was like an explosion, revelation. This scripture just came and said, that's it. Have you ever listened to yourself? Record yourself and say it. Play it back. You know it doesn't sound like you. You know it doesn't sound like you. You say, when I preach, when people play it, I say, please put it off. Put it off. Because it doesn't sound like me. You know why? Every time somebody talks to you, you hear with your outer air. The only time you hear with your inner air that affects your work is when you speak. That's why when you record it and it's played back, you are hearing it with your outer air. So it sounds different. When you say it, it's, you are hearing it with your inner air. And it's your inner air that affects your balance. So I realized, everything anybody says about you is outer court. The only thing that can influence your life is what you say with your mouth. Now, here is the problem. Here is the problem. The problem is that when somebody tells you, you will fail and never make it. And you go and repeat it to a friend. Felix said, I will fail. Then you hear with your inner ear and it goes in. But if they tell you, you will fail. And then you tell yourself, I am a success. Do you understand what we're saying here? So kept saying it. So the woman with the issue of blood, she was seeing people touch Jesus. They were not getting healed. She kept saying to herself, do you understand what I'm saying? Many people may be touching and praying, but I told you, you can only enter pastor's office because you have it is written. Hold it as your confession. Because when you enter into that place, that's why it says come boldly. It says come without wavering. Because when you enter in, it is according to what you have been saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? Dr. Crawford told me, I said, I was diagnosed with terminal illness. And I was given months to leave, cancer. He said, every waking moment. He said, the time I'll be going to my office on the corridor and I will repeat it to myself 20 times before I get there. See, once there's an issue, Anytime the thought comes to you, say something. If it comes 20 times, say something. You see, those thoughts are telling you that there is demonic activity over it. What fear is in the thought life? That's why even though we are fighting principles and powers, we are casting down imagination. That's what it is. And every high thing. Every time a thought comes, it means if you don't answer it, the demon moves in. You keep saying it every time it comes. After some time, if you start keeping quiet, it means you are started winning the battle. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you have school fees to pay, in eight months' time, you say, well, I'm going for my postgraduate. They say it's $25,000. Anytime you think about it, say what God has said concerning it. If you wake up, say. It means that there's activity going on in the spirit realm. The angels want you to say something. Do you get what I'm saying here? The warfare is going on. Say. Then it gets there. Say. Because let me tell you, in the science of faith, you can gain ground and lose ground. Moses put up his rod. And Joshua was winning. He put it down. Joshua lost ground. Many people hold up. They gain ground, but they don't get to the end. They get tired, they drop it. They lose all that ground. Then they wake up again after a conference. They put it up. Then they start moving. Then they get tired, then they lose all that ground. 
and it can be taking you 10 years. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you get tired, call two friends. Help me hold my hands up. Join me in intercessory prayer. Do you understand this? But I must hold fast this confession until the end. That's why it says, hold fast your confidence and rejoicing of hope until the end. People will have to help you, but hold that rod up over that situation until you get. That's why it says, don't be weary in well-doing, for you shall reap. You may have sown the seed, but tiredness makes you lose the harvest. Father, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that which they have put out their faith for grants them according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with might in their inner man that they might stay steady and strong. As they worship you tonight and in the next few days let that veil over their minds be lifted. And let them see clearly the method. Not just the promise that is written, but that which is spoken by you in what they should do in that situation to make it happen. Thank you, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. All right, let me just say something.